Welcome to Code Grays, an episode-by-episode recap of classic Grays Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado, and today I'm joined by Patrice Anthony in quarantine, the two of us, to discuss via social distancing. <laughs> burr, 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 quarantine time! <laughs> Season 3, Episode 9, From a Whisper to a Scream! That's exactly how everyone is feeling right now. That's exactly, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Just like Everyone's the screaming is building screaming. under our skin. Um, happy day, I don't know, 10 of <laughs> quarantine. Technically, we're not in quarantine. No, we're not. Neither of us are sick, but we're practicing social distancing. Yes. To the measure that everyone should be, which is yes. not gathering even in groups less than 10 just yeah. stay the fuck at home yeah we're staying at home um i am engaged to a nurse a petri dish <laughs> so i love that petri dish though she's my petri dish <laughs> um and i love her too so so patrice and i are recording uh separately for the first time today I miss you so much. I know. I miss you so much. I saw Patrice's <laughs> face and I was like, oh, no, it hurts. My heart hurts. <laughs> Back to me. I think I've been very purposefully staying away from like Zoom and Skype sessions with friends because mm. um, I'm like, if I don't think about the fact that I'm not seeing people, if I'm just texting them, it feels normal. If I'm okay. Skyping people, it feels it feels like something's changed. And that feels scary. That makes sense. I you never also Skype people. Live with three other people. I do. I live yeah. alone. Exactly so, right. While my cats are great <laughs> conversationalists, <laughs> they're just not cutting it these days. <laughs> it's just it's just not quite enough. Um, I'm definitely. I feel like what I'm trying to do is uh, see how long I can go just with the three people that I live with because we have no idea how long this <laughs> pandemic's going to continue. And so I'm like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be moving. I don't want to be jumping ahead in my quarantine steps. You know, if I have okay. to burn through like five Skype sessions with friends within the first week of quarantine like that's bad i gotta space this shit out so but really how much but i might be reaching the end i might be reaching the end of my time to just be talking to these three people <laughs> well you can always talk to me <laughs> that's true <laughs> even about not Grey's anatomy things what do we have a friendship outside of this podcast uh, I mean, it's growing just like right now, but it's very rare. We still need to talk in mostly Grey's Anatomy metaphors. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where we feel safest. <laughs> <laughs> so quick, just quick quarantine check-in. How how are you doing? What are, <laughs> what are you doing to stay sane? Uh, what am I doing to stay sane? Well, I feel like it's not quite so bad as me, uh, for me, as like people who have been inside for like 10 days straight or something yeah i was still having to go to work uh up until this tuesday because my office was um in the middle of a move because we decided prior to this national disaster to um move everyone remote and so while we were sort of ahead of the curve it also made it (laughs) stressful (laughs) to have to be navigating uh getting all of my staff members home and things moved and hiring movers and 
coming into contact with people who I don't know where they've been. Yep. Uh, and dealing with that. So, but I'm set up. I'm in my home office. It's very nice. Um, so I haven't really been very many places since Tuesday. Um, and yeah, mostly just been in my house or uh, with my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And we know that Teresa hasn't left the house in days, <laughs> maybe months, actually, by now. <laughs> I have, um, I, so I am on leave this semester, so I'm, I'm not teaching this semester, and it's very strange to suddenly have people at home with me on weekdays, um, it's weird and it's a little bit tough um, because I do live in a house with with a few people. And so I I had been cherish- cherishing my, my alone time during the days. And now I'm like, okay, we're all here. <laughs> we are all of us here. Everyone here together. <laughs> but I think, I, you know, it's been go- it's been going OK. I've been I've been going on walks Um kind of long walks. I live uh, just down the street from a basketball court. And although it's fucking cold, um, I have been trying to go and play basketball. Um, And yeah, but I've really been trying to like take the social distancing seriously. Because I think I'm just kind of trying to operate under the assumption that I have it. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's a smart sort of thing to assume yeah. and the um, aforementioned again, petri dish fiance. yeah i was just gonna say and part you know partly because of what my partner does i'm just kind of like it doesn't really i don't think it serves anyone well if i'm sort of going out places especially because i don't have to be going out places so yeah so i've been just kind of chilling inside but you know i play video games i genuinely um i've i've talked to my my friend about this repeatedly who i live with i'm just like I don't really understand how people who don't play video games are going to make it through this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been training for like my entire <laughs> 20s for a pandemic, you know, like so has my brother. Like we're out here not being out there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're the people who don't game, i.e. me. We're doing a lot of puzzles. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing puzzles, too. Doing I'm a lot reading of a lot. Yeah. I'm, reading. I'm definitely reading. Um. I've been like listening to a lot of just like music. Yeah, same. Yeah, a lot of good music coming out um, or already out. I've made uh, two two things of bread, like two separate sessions of making naan. And today I'm going to make a baguette. Um, So... Oh, are you going to make the baguette from the uh, yeah. Baking with Yeast course? Yeah, yeah. So exactly. one of Teresa's roommates and I and a few other friends took a community ed class, Baking with Yeast, and we learned how to make baguettes. Yeah. I wasn't bitter about it. I didn't have like a lot of feelings of FOMO about it. But... Oh, did no one invite you to sign up? You know what's This is great. I'm going to... Cassie doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can just blast her. She asked me like a while before that class, would I want to take a bread making class with her? And I was like... Fuck yeah, that sounds amazing. And then she found this bread making class and invited everyone to it and didn't invite me. And then took this bread making class and was like, oh, I have my bread making class tonight. And I was like, bitch, I will cut you. (laughs) (laughs) And then she was like, she was like, you can come. You can totally come. And I was like, 
fuck you. Oh. I would rather die than go to that class now. Well, <laughs> listeners, do you get the sense that Teresa is very petty? She is. Let me tell you. I was like, bread? Never heard of her. <laughs> I'm gluten-free, bitch. Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the moral here is um, don't, don't insult me. Yeah, Teresa holds a grudge. <laughs> I will... I will hold that fucking grudge. I will remind Cassie on her deathbed of the time she failed to invite me to her bread making class. You're just going to hold on to it. It's yep. going to be like a vice grip. On It'll be the grudge. last thing I whisper into her ear before she leaves. Before you succumb to COVID-19. Yes, yes. <laughs> Great. I'll be like, come closer. <laughs> I'll never forgive you for the bread making class. <laughs> shout out my mom (laughs) so um good good (laughs) great great check-in good check-in should we talk about this episode yeah we should i like how we did a check-in like we haven't been texting (laughs) i know (laughs) since like noon today (laughs) you know what this is brand new information for our listeners (laughs) but yeah patrice and i talk all the time so <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's get into it. All right. Who's uh who I can't I honestly can't remember who's in charge of um the summary this time around. Um I have no fucking clue. It might be me. Okay. So let's go with that. Yeah. Um, I think we should start doing whoever does the intro for a week, the other person does the summary. That does makes the rounds, sense. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. I'm down with that. <laughs> we should do this kind of, you know, strategic planning before we record, but we like yeah. our listeners to be a part of our process. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we got to get real crafty in this quarantine time, and you're just going to hear all of our musings. <laughs> That's absolutely right. <laughs> okay. Um, um, oh, also, you didn't, in the intro, you didn't do the directed and written by and aired. Oh, oh, yes. That's correct. Do you want me to do that now? <laughs> or <laughs> I mean, I guess I can do it as part of the rounds. <laughs> it was directed by Julie Ann Robinson and written by Kip Kennig, and it aired November 26, 2006. Thanksgiving yeah. episode, presumably, Ooh. or thereabouts. That makes sense, because I feel like uh, this was a, like a high drama episode, which makes sense yeah. for like a, a break episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, let me get my stopwatch ready. I want to say that as I was getting my stopwatch ready, I got my co-star notification, which was mm-hmm. <laughs> try to learn a new word today. I also got my co-star <laughs> notification. It says, how do you really feel? <laughs> wow. Do you want to know, co-star? <laughs> do, you, do you really want to know? Please write them an email. My co-star has been trying to like make me into a vector the past like 72 hours. It's been like... My, like, in-depth co-star update has been, like, now's the time to meet people. You feel better (laughs) face-to-face. Go outside. And I'm just like, bitch, this is irresponsible. (laughs) Co-star, get it together. Uh, I feel like my co-star in the last few days has been really um, grim. So yesterday was, (laughs) you cannot change unalterable forces. But you can change your attitude towards them. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, okay, so really, really on that uh, COVID thing there. Thanks, co-star. 
my uh, yesterday, I have to share this because it's the most Scorpio fucking shit possible. Um, yesterday was being nothing is an existential fact. <laughs> <laughs> so right, fuck you, right, Coaster. All right. All right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I've I've moved away from Coastar and I'm more into pattern. Pattern's one, amazing. I feel like it's more comprehensive and it's also more positive. Coastar yeah. is always getting me down. Coastar, um, I don't know what it's like out here for non-Scorpio folks, but I know that for Scorpios, um, in comparison to what my roommates get for Coastar, mine are bleak as hell. Mine are mm. like try not talking for once, you know. I like got one that was like be less of a dick. I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> Look, I know really that the horoscope's always you. a bitch to Scorpios because we're just like sociopathic sex fiends who lie a lot, evidently. But Jesus, we're people too. I mean, that tracks. <laughs> we're people too. I'd like to uh, just like take a moment to read from Pattern the world <laughs> update for Pattern. And oh, it good. Says, yeah. A rare and challenging energy has escalated over the past few months, and right now it's reaching one of its climaxes. Wow. <laughs> wow, thanks, Pattern. Ooh. Thanks, Pattern, for that. Woo! <laughs> yeah, Pattern freaks me out. I think it's... It um, is. It's so It's scary. very comprehensive in a way like, that makes me uncomfortable. How right it is, especially about, like, relationship Oh, the relationship things. ones are I'm bad. Like, why do yourselves a favor listeners download pattern this is not an ad although if the pattern would like to sponsor this podcast we, we are very so into astrology it. <laughs> listen all and the then queers just are into do astrology like, oh yeah us. and then just like do a uh then just like start doing romantic pairings with all of your friends and get fucked up get fucked up really quickly basically yeah, on the pattern so fucked okay we should probably this talk episode. about Grey's Anatomy. This episode. <laughs> okay, yeah, let this me episode. let me go back to my stopwatch. Okay. Yeah. Where are we? What are we doing? Season you three, are doing the rounds. Yeah. Season three, episode nine. In From a whisper three, to a scream. Two. Costello. Okay. One. Go. Okay, so in this episode, we have still got Harold O'Malley. He has got some heart stuff going on, and I can't remember exactly what. He also has esophageal cancer. Uh, we've got Larry Shane Dickerson, who crashed into the fish market. Uh, he has a lot of injury- injuries, including spinal stenosis. And then Jane- Janelle Duco, who has a piece of glass in her fucking heart. And she's prego. And she's prego. That's good. You got it done at 25 seconds. What? I, I just stopped including literally all of my asinine, like, very intense details. <laughs> because I could have said more. Yeah. But it's not helpful. No. Yeah. That's that's the true of a lot of things right now. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said more, but it's not but helpful. But it's not helpful. Um. Uh, so should we get into um, the opening? We've yeah. Got our first opening where Christina is doing a solo narration. Yeah. And it's hot. <laughs> so hot. It's a hot opening. Is it hot because you think Sandra Oh is hot? Yes. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I really enjoyed that Christina just comes running into Meredith's house. <laughs> and Derek's in bed with Meredith. And she, like, basically just, I feel like we all know that look 
you know, like the best friend look of like, yeah, I need you like now. Right. Put right put now. that down. And in this case, it was like, put put that whole man down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> get the penis out. Yeah. And Derek just has to cede the room to Christina so that she mm-hmm. can have um, a very abstract <laughs> hypothetical conversation with Meredith about what if the person you loved was robbing a bank and you helped them? Would you help them rob the bank? <laughs> Real question. What if Tina was robbing a bank? Would you help her rob a bank? Yeah, fuck capitalism. Absolutely. <laughs> I do feel like if Gina robbed a bank, it would be very well thought out. So I'd yeah. be into that plan. And it, like, it's Gina. If Gina robbed a bank, it would be for a good cause. You know, she wouldn't cause. just She'd be, be robbing like, a bank. I'm robbing this bank so that nurses can have PPE. Masks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> she'd be she's like i found a black market seller of ppe and i'm robbing this bank so that i can go to the black market and buy all of these masks <laughs> so yes I, without question i would help my partner rob a bank um i you know if you if you're like in my like circle of people i'm like ride or die for like i mean that very genuinely like i would help you hide a body you know, like it's very Scorpio. Teresa would die I, for I would the people in her inner circle. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> She's like death means nothing. No, <laughs> loyalty means everything. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about you, Patrice? <laughs> would you oh help? man, would you <laughs> really put me on the spot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number one. I don't think that Amber would rob a bank. I don't think so either. <laughs> so my, you know, my partner, my partner is a white woman. So like she could rob a bank and like pay a fine for it. Your partner is a black woman. Mm. Yeah, we're we're both going down. So <laughs> we are going. It would be, you know what like I mean? Like different stakes. Set it off. Yeah. That's what would happen to yes. us. <laughs> yeah. And the in-scene Virginia would be like... <laughs> Martha Stewart some, in Some white-collar crime movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> different stakes. We're fucked. So different, different answers. Different stakes. But <laughs> I feel like what would probably happen is that Amber would say, I'm going to rob a bank. Would you support me? And I would rationally explain to her why we should not rob a bank. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. But again, I don't think that she would rob a bank, but I'll ask her about it and see what she says. <laughs> Please do. Um, and Sending that text back. now. We'll Our update you later. want to know. <laughs> so they're, yeah, so they're, they're getting into, you know, all of the stuff. I like that Meredith, um, I like that Meredith is just continually like, if you tell me what is happening, I can help you. Like yeah. she's she I don't know, I think it's a it's um some good like boundary setting in action and some good like trying to hold her friend accountable. Like I cannot help you unless you let me help you. There yeah. like I cannot entertain this hypothetical situation because it's silly. I I don't know what's going on. If you want me yeah. to help you, then let me actually help you. And I, I appreciate that from Meredith. I do. I think Christina sort of takes a, a a distancing stance, though. Like, she 
only wants hypothetical advice on her hypothetical situ- or quote unquote <laughs> hypothetical situation. And when Meredith, you know, sets up that boundary or, or uh, fights her on it, she says like, you know, I don't do everything with you basically. Yeah. Like, because Meredith is like, we don't jog. What are you doing? And she's yeah. like, sometimes I do things without you. Yeah. So fuck you basically yeah. is what she's saying. It's a very, um, yeah, Christine is a Scorpio, I would say. (laughs) Secretive, um, bitchy. Um, Mm. I I see a lot of those qualities. You know, like Meredith won't play along, so she finds finds a pretty cutting remark for Meredith. Mm, I wonder what Meredith is. I have a life outside of you, you know. Um... And, uh, yeah, it's Christina still rough episode for her. This whole episode is a fucking rough episode. (sighs) Just the anxiety of this episode keeps ramping the fuck up. Yeah, it was not Um, a great episode to watch while everyone is feeling anxious, period. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't. Um, So do we want to start... and maybe get our minor cases out of the way first. Yeah, and let's then go end for it. up with Harold's. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, so like we can end sort with of, him or we can sort start of, with him. It's kind of weird because sort of none of these cases are minor, and they all sort of yeah. circle around Christina and Burke. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But maybe we maybe let's start with the Dickerson's, Dickersons and like move into okay. Janelle and then circle back. Great. So we've got Larry Dickerson. Um, He uh, is an old man who was driving and he drove into like Pike Market Um, and he has a he sustained he sustained a subdural hematoma. Um, So, you know, like bruising on the brain. But he's also they realize an underlying cause of the wreck could be that he's suffering from spinal stenosis. Um, and it's a pretty severe case, and he um, likely has had like lost, experienced um, on and off the loss of feeling in his feet. Yeah, um, and so he shouldn't have been driving. And he basically. couldn't couldn't control the car, which is why he so crashed. he couldn't. Yeah, he crashed. And so the wife, you know, his wife, the entire episode is like, "The car did this, not my Larry." <laughs> and I really, I'm not about this lady. Um, I really struggle with her. I don't have a lot of empathy for it. Elderly people driving is a very real and serious issue, <laughs> and um, and I'm just like. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta take this shit more seriously, man. Like, I'd like the listeners to know that Teresa's notes <laughs> say, "Elderly people driving is no fucking joke. We need more frequent driving tests as people age." And then there's a bullet point that says, "Oh God, oh man!" But I also don't think people over the age of seventy five should be able to vote. So. <laughs> <laughs> This is how Teresa feels about the elderly. (laughs) I listen. I'm a person. I love my old people. I am speaking of people I'm ride or die for. um, And I have great respect for our elderly population. And. And. I don't care what you think about, for instance, climate change. 
if you are over the age of 70. Mm. I don't care. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter because you're going to be fucking dead. You know who's not going to be dead? Me, living with all of your shitty choices for decades. (laughs) So I just think there should be a cutoff. I think it's infuriating. It seems insane to me that a 16-year-old has to live and die by the choices of 70-year-olds. And they have no say in the fucking matter, despite having probably a much more realistic view of what their terrible life is going to look like. Um, I really struggle with it. I think it's deeply unethical. And uh, that's how I feel about that. (laughs) Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, but Larry here... (laughs) So, <clears throat> I mean, we don't hear from Larry the entire time. He needs no surgery, quite a yeah. bit of it. Um, Derek is the main person on this case um, because of the subdural hematoma and because of the spinal stenosis. Um, but meanwhile, during this, Derek is having some doubts about his ab- abilities to uh, perform because of the situation with Burke, which we'll get into later. Um, the Dickersons basically just cause, you know, a whole shitstorm of problems for people. The wife, um, we learn at the end, ultimately knew about the husband's uh, temporary paralysis or like the f- loss of feeling in his legs and that his car keys had been taken away from him, rightfully so, by uh, their children. And she gave them back. Uh, because if she had sided with her children, he would have been mad. Um, and I, in my notes, I just said, like, I'm tired of storylines where, like, women can't stand up to their partners. And ultimately, I just mean, like, Christina not being able to stand up to Burke. And also just in general, (laughs) like, I feel like there's a ton of storylines in Grace that do that. Um, I think, um, I think that's, that was such a good catch. Um, like a connection that I had not necessarily made. Um, that there's like a very, I think you're right, that there's a very clear relationship between this storyline and the woman um, not being able to take a stand with her partner, right, and Christina and Burke. Um, and I was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, absolutely. That's, mm. That is absolutely correct. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what? We have to stop doing double episodes because I keep like fusing things in my mind from two episodes. <laughs> That's it. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) I was just like, no, Um, this is not the episode where Derek has questions about his uh, abilities to perform. That's the next episode. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, wait, what? That's in this episode? It's not. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It's not. Um, Listen, I don't so, know what day it is, Teresa. I can't remember what Grey's <laughs> episode I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, good thing I have Animal Crossing to remind me what day it oh, is. Oh, Jesus day. Christ. <laughs> um, so, Larry. Um, so, part of the fallout. You know, Mrs. Dickerson yeah. made a bad choice. Yeah. Part of the, the fallout of the Dickerson's bad choice is... Um, our next case, which is Janelle Duco, 
um, who is a local merchant at the fish market. She sells vegetables, and apparently the Dickersons Mm -hmm. are her best customers. Um, And the the scene where Janelle uh, enters the hospital is, like, so shocking. She looks like... It looks like that scene from Carrie where she gets blood dumped yes. on her. She's just standing in the entryway to the emergency room, not entering, but just standing. So the doors just keep opening and closing on her and she's covered <laughs> in blood and is in shock. And Addison yeah. sees her and she's like, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so crazy. And initially it just looks like, she has, you know, a few cuts and bruises, lacerations. She flew through like a glass plate window or something. Yeah. Um, and she's, yeah, just like talking. I, I really think that like the the person who plays Janelle is not a great actress, but like every she's so bad. Patrice. Every line. Oh my god! Every line is so bad. No, no, no! Every line yes. is gold. It's <laughs> no. golden. <laughs> It's golden. She says at one point, like, right before she passes out or something, she's like, I think I might be parked in a red zone. And I'm just like, this is terrible. She also says very calmly, like, the men, the doctors, they're so hot. No. Just like, it's just like a very calm, like. Head trauma. No. Kip Kennig. Terrible. You had some terrible jokes in this episode. I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> We've got a split jury. <laughs> so into it. Um uh, so ultimately they're treating Janelle. She buries the lead because dun, 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 dun. She's pregnant. Oh, she's got a baby in her. A baby is growing inside her body. You know what as else we speak. is inside her body? <laughs> what, Patrice? <laughs> What else? A really fucking huge shard of glass. Yeah. Where is it? It's in her heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's in her heart. (laughs) Which, I mean, I feel like they would have noticed right off the bat. I was just like, where's the penetrating wound? How is she alive? How did they not notice? Because like the the x-ray film or whatever that Bailey brings in. Like, the shard of glass is fucking huge. Yeah. And I'm like, that would have just, like, eviscerated not her heart. visible? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's very strange. It's very strange. It's very, very, very did strange. Did she swallow the shard of glass? Like, what? I, how did this happen? I don't. And how could no one see it? I don't understand at all. Um. um ooh. So, I feel like... So many of these cases intersect um, because they all need a cardiothoracic consult or a cardiothoracic surgeon on them. Right. Janelle needs one right. because of this fucking huge shard of glass in her heart. Ultimately, Harold or not Harold, uh, Larry Dickerson needs one um, like mid surgery because he's got like a, some sort of tracheal injury or like aortic transection or something um and they have to call burke in and burke is a baby during this entire fucking episode (laughs) he's such a fucking child he's such a fucking child um let's 
Yeah. I don't. I. I it, this is this is a tough one. It's tough because um, Yang and Burke are they're kind of in a little bit of a fight. Yes. Yang is starting to freak out about the tremor, and that George knows mm-hmm. about the tremor because George has asked repeatedly, like, "What's wrong with yeah. Burke?" Right. Um, and so. You know, we we ended last episode with a a kind of standoff between George and Yang that was that was really heartbreaking. He was like, "I need you to be a human right now," and so that's the energy that this episode starts with. This is not an episode that we're skipping through time. This is clearly like the next day, right? right exactly. Um, like the end scene of the <clears throat> previous episode is Christina in bed is, with Berg saying, "George knows." Yes. Yes. And so that is where this this episode starts off, which is important. And so Burke is very calm and collected about it. And Yang is starting to spiral about it. Um, And Burke's framing of the situation gets increasingly increasingly more problematic um, as the episode goes on. There's a lot of like, in the beginning of the episode, he seems to be not so subtle in his implication that this was Yang's like choice and that they're a team um, and that Yang is being uh, too intense, mm. which I fucking it's rejected so with my entire frustrating. heart. It's so patronizing. And as a person routinely described as being too intense, um, there's maybe nothing that infuriates me more. Um, and so watching him kind of manipulate her as like your emotions about this situation are not valid um, is difficult because he's saying he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth at the same time. He's like, your feelings about the situation are not valid because it's not your tremor. And he's also saying you are in on this, too. So this isn't just a me thing. And it's like he kind of wants to have the fight both ways. Right. And you can't, right? Like, you can't have the fight both ways. Um, And he also feels very much that, like, he says at one point, I had a tremor. Now I don't. Like, that's what he's telling Yang. I haven't experienced a tremor in a week. You know, and Yang is kind of like, well, I'm still doing your fucking surgeries for you. So it doesn't, that, cool. Cool story, bro. Um, But he really decides to, like, ride ride that statement i had a tremor now i don't and by the end of the episode he's he's pretty outwardly humiliating christina in the or um to demonstrate that he doesn't need her and hasn't needed her and it's fucked up because he has needed her the entire fucking um and everything and he he just refuses to acknowledge she says you don't understand the pressure i'm feeling you know, being your hand and, and it's 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 so difficult to watch because he is an attending. She is an intern. She has not even taken like her her board. Right. Like she is she is an infant in terms of like medical practice. And she has taken this on and he can't accept and can't acknowledge how difficult that has been for her. Um, and how unfair that pressure has been on her, regardless of how willing she was to do it in the beginning. He should have known better. He should have known better. Right. 
I just so the the entire time during this fight that they're having, like in the beginning, it's so infuriating for me that he's so calm and that he is making Christina feel like she is crazy for being worried about it, which like mm-hmm. I can't understand how he's not worried about it. And maybe it's because yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I should be gracious. Maybe he's not worried about it because he's like, I'm an attending. Like, my job will be safe. I haven't really done anything wrong. No one's died, whatever. But the fact that he can't make the connection that, you know, she has been consistently putting her career on the line for him or or maybe that Mm -hmm. he just doesn't care um, is just so infuriating. And that, yeah, that he continually is like, you're worried about nothing. You're being too intense. But then somehow at the end of this whole fight, then he's worried about it uh, because mm-hmm. now, you know, his moral court of, code of conduct is <sighs> conduct is called into question. And I just like the the scene that gets it for me is like they're having a fight next to each other um, and he is basically blaming Christina and he says that he's been cut. Cu- covering for her as well and christina goes excuse me yeah and it's basically like her saying what motherfucker because like no you haven't (laughs) been covering for me i've legitimately been doing things above my pay grade above my knowledge base i've been working my ass off and like what have you been doing yeah yeah he just and he, he he like he just cannot Oh, he can't sit with that. It's oh, it's so it's so infuriating by the end of this episode. And, and you know, we'll obviously get to this by the by the end of this episode. I was literally having to keep myself from throwing a pillow at my television when Burke's face was on it. <laughs> like the final scene of this episode, I was like, I'm going to murder him. <laughs> um, And the reason that this is escalating um, is, as Patrice said, uh, all of our patients are intersecting at the nexus of cardiothoracic, of the cardiothoracic department, essentially. essentially. Um, and the biggest case that they're dealing with is, of course, still Harold O'Malley, right. um, who needs to have this surgery in order to repair the aortic leak. Um, and we find out that um, George... George has taken the not so extraordinary step of He's called in Erica fucking Hahn. <laughs> My fucking wife. Still, please marry me, Brooke Smith. I'm so into you. You're great. I love you. Oh my god, what if we got Brooke Smith on the show? Oh my god. I think I'd, I'd freak out. sexy voice. I wouldn't be able to talk the entire time because I'd just be like... <laughs> I'd have to be in charge of that interview. Yeah. We'd ha- <laughs> we'd get Megan back on to do the interview of Brooke Smith because she could like maybe keep her shit together <laughs> out of the three of us. Maybe most likely. I'd just be like, hi, I love you. <laughs> Remember that scene where you said like being with a woman was like seeing tree leaves? I understand. Yeah. I love you so much we saw it we saw it we were with you um yeah george first time callie sees han no big deal mbd mbd first time they lay eyes on each other uh i like so i understand like 
George's position throughout <clears throat> this, but also because it's been such a fucking like whiplash sort of change in his general character. Uh, it feels crazy to me how assertive he's being in these yes. situations. But, uh, you know, like, different side, same coin is, like, there's still some of that, like, pettiness that we saw before, like, when he was dealing with Meredith. Um, and that whole, yeah. like, we slept together, but you're in the wrong situation. It's, like, for thing things with George are only black and white. It's, like, either we're good or, like, you've done something wrong it doesn't matter what it is it could be really big it could be really small now you're dead to me (laughs) (laughs) that's very true that's very true now you're dead to me (laughs) yeah he's um it's incredible that george manages to um i said he, he pulls off the rare like Technically, you're right, but you're still an asshole move. Like, like he's not wrong for this entire episode. And also, he is such a fucking oh dick God. for this entire episode. It's tough. Every single time he talks to someone, he is yelling at them. Oh, yeah. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, and so so he he enlists Dr. Erica Hahn, gets her to um, consult on his father's case. Um, and what I think is hilarious is that um, Christina has no fucking chill. I will <laughs> give Burke credit for this. Christina has no fucking chill. And I'm kind of like, you could play this off. Like, there's not one cardiothoracic surgeon her hospital who does every single like surgery that comes through mm-hmm. like we know that there are there is at least one other cardiothoracic surgeon aside from Burke at Seattle Grace um let alone Erica Hahn and other surgeons from regional hospitals so it's like in some sense I do see what Burke is saying towards the beginning of the episode of just like it's fine. Right. It's like this isn't a big deal because it literally is not a big deal. It's not crazy to get a second opinion. It's not crazy to go with a different doctor because you liked their approach. Yep. Like who the like who the fuck cares? I think especially if you cares? think if you like <laughs> sort of zoom out from the situation and realize that like George and Burke are friends. Yeah. And like even in, in a normal situation, it would be a lot of pressure for George to put on Burke to do a surgery on his father, you know, and like there there would be too many close ties there. So like maybe you would want to go out and get someone else instead of like a person who is your friend to do yeah. the surgery. Yeah. <sighs> it just it doesn't it doesn't seem terribly crazy to me. Um but th- so that's 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 one sort of pissing match um, that George is embroiled in. He's also upset with Callie because Callie's being friendly to his family. Right. And, and George she's is like the doctor. Yeah. On his ki- because initially his father broke, broke. his clavicle. And yeah. so like she does need to be there as his doctor this kind of this kind of raises a another good point that i'd love to chat with you about which is george george responds to callie with like um you broke up with me remember and then you slept with sloan or something and let's set aside the sloan piece for a minute but george definitely seems to as you sort of underscored earlier he's black and white in his thinking either you're 
either your best buds or, or, you know, you're dead to him. And he seems to think that a breakup means people are now mortal enemies. And I definitely know, I know that that is how some people think. I am, well, I'm a lesbian, so that's number one. (laughs) But that also means that, like, so just innately, I'm friends, I think, with more exes than probably the average, like, straight woman. Mm. But I also am just kind of like, if I liked you enough as a person to date you, the chances are I still really like you a lot as a person. Like, that didn't just go away when we decided to stop dating. And so I'm very much friends with exes. I can count on one to two fingers the exes that I'm not friends with. Um, I don't know. what. It, like, what's your position? Uh, I think in theory, I'm a friends with exes person. <laughs> uh, but I am not currently friends with any of my exes. Okay. Not because of lack of trying, I will say. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, you know, there's yeah. that. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I don't think it's problematic. I've always thought it's been kind of weird to like end a relationship with someone, especially if you were with them for quite a while. It's yeah. like... Well, at one point, you were maybe, like, close enough to be called family, and there has been an intermingling. And so, like, it's not like you stopped caring about all of the other things that that person has to offer you when you stop, you know, being romantic with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, George is a little bit too intense for me on this one. I'm like, chill out. Uh, She broke up with you. That doesn't mean she doesn't care about you. That doesn't mean she's not feeling so sad for you right now yeah um and there is the complication this is the second part of what he says which is like you slept with sloan right um in that and i get why he's angry about that um but he also doesn't give her any opportunity to explain that she did not cheat on him with sloan and um wait pause yeah is that in episode 10 and not this episode. No, I. She hasn't talked to. Uh, she hasn't talked to George about that. But like when she's talking to Meredith, like when she's she pushes cat. You know, she pushes. She fights Meredith in the intern locker room, and she's like, "I didn't cheat on George. I have to tell him." Mm, yeah, we don't see that conversation. I don't think in this episode. Um. But it sucks that the like blurring that's... of lines, the blurring of I lines. Know. I haven't watched episode 10. So, okay, great. I know I'm not confusing it with episode 10. Perfect. <laughs> great. <laughs> great. One of us. Perfect. To keep the other in check. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's definitely frustrating to watch him go from zero to 100 with, with Callie in that way. Um, yeah, and then he does the same thing with Izzy later in the episode. He's just... Oh, my God. He's lashing out. So, like, speaking of Izzy... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, just, like, her weird role in this episode, like, being with George's father and, and like, gossiping with George's mom, who I find to be very obnoxious. Um, the All the O'Malley's also, are so obnoxious. Yeah, they're just, like, characters, caricatures. <laughs> Um, but I felt like it tracked that George was raised by this woman. Um, but then like, Izzy just like very clearly 
having no sort of like couth or tact. Like, I don't yeah. know why she says the things to his parents about Callie that she does because like what person tells their parents about their like intimate details of their sex lives and so she's like wow Callie she's naked all the time like (sighs) oh man George and Meredith and I'm just like okay Izzy come on girl she has zero boundaries yeah yeah you know better you know does she though that's the thing she might not know better she might not. <laughs> it's so consistently a problem with Izzy that she just straight up might not know better. <laughs> I would like to think that she does know better. Um, but apparently she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the sort of the storyline with Izzy and George and, and George's father culminates in George being an absolute dick because things are black and white. Um, And Izzy, as a doctor, you know, gives his parents an honest assessment. They're asking, you know, like, why did, why are we getting Han if Burke is the best? And she's like, well, I'm not really sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, she gives them their opinion that, or she gives them her opinion that, um, you know, it it should should be be Burke, Burke. basically. And George's reaction to that when he comes in and and embarrasses her in front of his family and says, you know, like, did Izzy tell you that, you know, she's on probation because she, you know, acted inappropriately with a patient um, and doesn't know how to draw lines. And, like, mm. she's just so clearly out of line. And it, again, is... You know, like, yes, some of his, like, assertiveness in this episode feels sort of out of character. But, like, this piece about pettiness is a through line. And he, and also the piece about how he is so secretive. Like, no one knows what's going on and is, and they're trying to, like, bring some sort of rationale to George's behavior. They can't tell what he's doing. Um, And he's just like throwing everyone under the bus without explaining any of his emotions um, or why he's feeling that way or what's going on. Because like he, he probably could have told Izzy or Meredith, like, I think there's, there's something going on Mm -hmm. with Burke and this is why I've hired Han and this is why I feel this way. Or at least he could have told Izzy. He probably wouldn't have told Meredith because Meredith is close with Christina, but like to, to everyone else, it just seems like George is being super fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just being inexplicably secretive. Um, and it's, and it results in some truly cringeworthy moments like when um, you have Christina and George and Izzy all standing together, you know, looking over paperwork. And um, Izzy asks, you know, why is Han doing the surgery? And George tells mm. Christina. Christina, tell Izzy why Dr. Han is doing my dad's surgery instead of Burke. Go on. In like the most com- contemptuous, like withering voice. And it's so difficult because Christina deserves it. And also it's so incredibly shitty. Yeah. 
But, you know, but I, I put myself in George's shoes and I'm like, if this was my parents and I knew that my friend was covering up for like the preeminent cardiothoracic surgeon in the country or whatever the fuck, I'd be pretty pissed. I'd be pretty pissed. But I also mm-hmm. probably would have gone to the chief. So it's a little bit of it's this kind of the same thing as Burke of like, you just want to torture this person, but you don't actually want to do anything about it. Right. Because if you wanted to do something about it, you would have done something about it. Right. <laughs> and that's and what again, I don't like. I don't like torturing for just like the sake of like whatever high you're getting. Right. Do something and or again, don't. again, the blame is falling to Christina. Like, yep. Burke is blaming Christina. George is blaming yep. Christina. Like, no one, not that there's anything that George has to take responsibility for, but like, you know, also if George has suspected something, he could just go and talk to someone without being weird and petty and secretive. Yeah. And Burke is blaming everyone except for himself. Yeah. Um, You know, I. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So so it all kind of culminates in a in a very sort of climactic sequence where Burke is, you know, essentially we need Burke to be like Hermione Granger with her fucking time turner because mm. three cases, three cases need um, cardiothoracic surgery, you know, emergent surgery at the same time. And Erica Hahn is in one operating room and needs Burke's help. And Burke is working on another case and. Um, it's just kind of this juggling of three separate patients on the operating table. And um, the problem, of course, is that Yang can't just go from surgery to surgery to surgery with Burke. And she's right. really, she's like, we can't do this surgery at this time because I can't be there. I'm in this surgery at this time. Um, and it gets bad really, really quick. And watching... Mm-hmm. Watching Christina sort of uh, watching her anxiety escalate is so anxiety inducing as a viewer. Oh, my God. I'm just like, I can't like, oh, God, I'm also struggling to breathe regularly right now. (laughs) And Burke just sidelines her, you know, and says, move to the other side of the table at one point. Yeah. Um, When they're working on uh, Janelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duco, which is, I think, the the surgery that he takes because there's an option for him to take the Janelle surgery or to take the Dickerson surgery, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I, I sort of wondered, I was like, did Burke take Janelle's surgery because, like, if she died, it would be more understandable because she's got mm. a fucking giant she piece of glass sh- in her heart. Shard of glass in her heart, yeah. Um, and so, like, they're working on her and and someone comes in because, you know, Erica Hahn needs his help. Um, and he leaves Christina alone with Janelle after the the surgery is pretty much done and they just need to take her off bypass. But, like, they're still waiting. Um, and he's still not back. And she's she tries to leave the the operating room to go assist Burke. And just, yeah, at every turn in this sort of operating montage, he is embarrassing her in front of everyone. And it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Like, well, I think what's most heartbreaking is, like, she has had his back this entire time. And he is taking every opportunity to degrade her. And I'm just like, why is this relationship not over yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's. 
it gets pretty real. Uh, and, you know, Meredith puts it together um, at a certain point. She's like, What, do you think Burke can't operate without you? Oh my god. Christina. Shut up. He can't operate without you. If you ever give a crap about me in any way, shut your mouth and get back into that OR. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh shit, it's real now. Um and it all yeah. leads to one of the really good fights in Grey's Anatomy, which is when Burke and Christina just get to it in the like on call room um and sort of have it out and it is it's such a good fight because they are both so good like they're they're so excellent in this scene and also Mm -hmm. i was just gripped with like such a visceral anxiety (laughs) watching them fight with each other this way um and the things that they say to each other are just i mean it's they're brutal it's brutal it is brutal um you know it starts out with like burke accusing yang of dragging him across the line you dragged me across the you made us a team. You told Shepard I was fine. You said nobody has to know. I was out there on my own. You made us a team. Right. Now, suddenly, Burke is describing hiding his tremor as... Unimaginable. It's unethical. Dishonorable. I've crossed the line. And we know how important honor is for <laughs> Burke, right? Um, <laughs> But we, like... But then we end <laughs> with, like... With Burke... I don't know how he got here. I genuinely, like, I've tried to retrace this fight in my mind, how we got from A, like, you dragged me across the line, B, C, D, E. There is no team. There is only me, once again, making allowances for your emotional shortcoming. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, what do you think he meant by that? I have no idea. I mean, my only conclusion is that, like, Burke is a narcissist and that he is taking every opportunity to spin, you know, spin everything to somehow be Christina's fault. It's never his fault. Yeah. Christina's the one doing it. Like, I don't understand how the fight got from A to (laughs) F. (laughs) Yeah. I... I really struggled. I mean, with more that. importantly, how the fight got from like A in the beginning, which is like we're a team, to yep. F now, which is like you're terrible and you drag me across the line and you have emotional shortcomings and I'm the one making up for you. Yeah, yeah. I I found it just incredibly confusing, and um, I think there is truth that Yang does have some. Like, she can be emotionally stunted in some ways, right? And she can have emotional shortcomings. And in relationships, when a partner takes the opportunity to bring up, like, an actual issue but misapply it, there's almost nothing more frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking of... (laughs) Listen, we're in quarantine. I'm thinking of one of the couples on Love is Blind, Damien and Giannina. 
And uh, very early on in their quote unquote relationship, Giannina says that she self sabotages. Oh my God. Yes, he uses that so much again. And then every fight they have afterwards, he's like, Well, you're the one who self sabotages when something is too good. And I'm always like, This is why people aren't vulnerable with other people. (laughs) Because if you're going to weaponize the vulnerability, then I'm not going to fucking give it to you, right? And that's how I feel with Yang here, where it's like, there's absolutely truth to Burke's critique of her, but it doesn't fit this fight. And it sucks. It sucks that he's taking a vulnerability and throwing it in her fucking face. Like, she trusts you with that vulnerability, and now now you're going to hurt her with it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's like the lowest of the low, man. Like, that's it's just fucking shitty. Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly, incredibly shitty. That is that is toxic partner behavior, toxic relationship behavior. Not about Which it. We knew all along. Yes, yes. So then that kind of brings us, I think, out to um, the 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 conclusion right which is like i mean so many things happen at once like janelle's heart blows a stitch um yeah i feel my whole body come to life at one time when it happens because it's just it's so intense it's so intense and it's okay it's so on the nose you know like christina's heart has blown a stitch this woman's heart has blown a stitch like Everybody is bleeding everywhere at the end of this episode, either actually literally bleeding or just emotionally yeah. bleeding. And I'm in Damien Rice is playing and we have Burke marching into the chief's office because he's finally going to come clean because, you know, oh, God, what if he's being dishonorable? Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, we need to talk. Chief says, yes, we do. Slow pan to the back of the room. Our Christina's queen is already there. Christina, arms folded, leaning against the wall. Damien Rice coming in. Fuck yes. <laughs> Christina's Fuck yes. already there. She's so already there. So good. So, so good. Yeah. I mean, so like, we didn't touch on like the opening like slash cut interstitials. So like the scene of of the end of Christina like jogging down the hallway covered in blood yeah was also at the beginning spliced yes. in with scenes of her and Burke having sex <laughs> hot oh my god so hot okay only Teresa thinks this is hot oh she's like god. blood and sex I'm Great. like death and sex death and sex <laughs> <laughs> wow and you say that people Listen, have Scorpios I wrong. still think Scorpios should be treated more kindly by the general population. I'm not saying we're normal. I'm not saying we're fine. But I'm saying we're human, too. <laughs> I, I'm curious, Teresa, what do you think? This is not about uh, death and sex. Great. What do you think was, like, going through Christina's mind or was the breaking point for her to go and talk to the chief do you think that like she was like okay this man isn't gonna be here for me or do you think that she was just like i have to say something because my anxiety is too high or whatever i want to i want to give you know i want to give christina the benefit of the doubt and say she did it for the right reasons and i absolutely think she did it to cover her own ass 
I think she I think she realized that um, Burke could be fine coming out of this. And Burke knows he could be fine coming out of this. He's just been offered chief of surgery by um, Weber, who is going to retire. Um, And I think that that's a turning point for her to to recognize that um, the inequity of consequences between their two Mm. positions and the inequity of the entire situation, I think, sort of crashes Mm -hmm. in on her. Um, And I think she's just, she does, like, what she has to do to survive because Christina's going to survive. Yeah. She's she's got her flight response on. Yep. Fuck yeah, she does. Parking back. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it all together. Woo! (laughs) Should we get into our M&M or are there any more odds and ends that we want to talk about from this episode? Uh, no, I feel like we covered it all in a very haphazard sort of way, but we <laughs> yeah. got there. Boy, if you didn't watch this episode and you're just you listening might be to this recap, very you have no idea what we're talking about. Um, that's fine. <laughs> there are, I know there are people out there who just listened to the, <laughs> to our podcast episode. Teardrop ranking. No tears of mm-hmm. sadness, dry eyes, but many tears of anxious, angry frustration. Yes, I had exact same, exact same. <laughs> I was like, this is an angry cry episode, not like a oh my heart is broken cry kind of episode. Yeah, yeah, deaf. What about the on call room? Um. I gave it nothing, but I do mm-hmm. remember in my notes that I said, Teresa, are you living for this sustained eye contact between Addison and Alex? The answer, listener, is that I was. <laughs> I did actively fan myself <laughs> during the episode. It's so hot. Um, Karev and Addison are talking um, about Karev's service to... Uh, Sloan in plastics because I guess he's not done with plastics at this point still. And um, Addison is commending him and Karev's like, yeah, I did a great job like holding sutures or whatever. You know, he just makes a crack about it. Um, But they they kind of like both share a moment of admiration for each other. And then there's like this prolonged moment of like, Oh, Addison calls it? him a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And like Karev just like you can see him just like his body looks lighter. His face looks lighter afterwards. It looks like they're going to have a sexy moment, but then it they sort of does. shake their heads and come out of it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, lean into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm such a Karev Addison shipper. Yes. Anyway, so that was my on-call room, was the sustained eye contact between Karev and Addison. All right. uh, Song of the week. Holy fuck, Patrice. This episode sent me on so many musical adventures. Um, What's your song of the week? (laughs) Uh, I give it to Damien Rice. Yeah. I love Damien Rice. I love a contemplative, like... Nine crimes. Sad (laughs) song. And it just reminded me that I needed to go and listen to Blower's Daughter on repeat for like five hours and cry. Yes. Absolutely the thing that we all need to be doing right now. Yes. Yeah. Leave me out with 
the waste This is not what I do It's the wrong kind of place To be cheating on you It's the wrong time She's pulling me through It's a small crime And I got no excuse And is that alright? I um I could not pick a song of the week. Um, there were three songs this week. You had the Deers, um, and that song was uh, Nine Crimes. Da- no, no, oh, wait, no, the that's Damien Rice. Damien, you and yeah. I are a gang of losers. Was the Deers? Damien yes. Rice, Nine Crimes, and then Kate Havnevik, New Day, and yeah. I, <laughs> I was just like Gray's. Uh, through a perfect game. Uh, three songs. <laughs> they were all perfect songs, both just like they're great songs in their own right, and they were used to great effect in this episode. No song was wasted. Um, it was awesome. And I also just feel like I've never heard Kate Havnevik outside of Grey's Anatomy, which <laughs> makes me feel that like Shonda Rhimes has nope. to be like the biggest Kate Havnevik fan in the world. Like, was anyone... Was anyone cheering more for Kate Havnevik in the early 2000s than, like, the writing room of Grey's Anatomy? I don't think so. I think not. I feel like someone must have been, like, related to her, married to her. <laughs> yeah, I I completely agree. This was, like, the L word theme song shit. <laughs> like, somebody oh was dating God. somebody. Um, Except Kate Havnevik is actually talented. So that's yes. a huge difference. Huge Ouch. difference. Yeah. <laughs> Betty. Yep. Fucking Betty. Death tally? Uh, Yeah. So I've you said that there were two deaths and they were off screen deaths from from Larry. Like from the accident. Did he die? No, Larry doesn't die, but like from the accident, two people die. At one point Shepard says in passing, like, uh, two dead, seventeen injured or something. Ah, okay. Like way to be super observant because I did not catch that. I was like, wait, who died? <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I was so confused when I read your notes. I was like, "Wait, hold on, what? <laughs> You're like, which episode? How did I miss this?" But yeah, no, no saddest death because there were no on-screen deaths, so it was no one that we were familiar with. It was just something we were yeah, passing. exactly. Yep. Double O seven. It's obviously Burke. Got to be Burke. Has it's obviously be. Burke. No question. He. <laughs> Yeah. Like, Insert Tignataro here. No question. <laughs> <laughs> like, we didn't really get into his performance during these surgeries because he was, we're talking about his attitude in them, which is like he was showing such bravado, but like the, the on screen tension of him like squeezing and shaking his hand and like, you know, trying to control his tremor, like he very clearly put people's lives in his hands. Um, Knowing that his, his hands were not ready. Right. Yeah. Because of his ego. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he's on such an ego trip. And it's it's actually surprising to me that um that there wasn't a death this episode. Like I that's agree. It's very surprising to me. Like, did Gray's think that would be too dark or something? I don't know. But at this point it seems clear that someone would have died at some point <laughs> yeah. in in Burke's care. Um Karev, Karev of, the of the week. Who'd you put? 
So I was very confident that it was George. I was like, congrats, George. You you pulled off the upset. You're right and terrible all at once. And then and then Patrice. Christina Yang returns to the home that she Mm. shares with one Preston Xavier Burke. And she walks to the bedroom and Burke's getting the bed ready. And he walks to the door and he has the barest hint of a smirk on his smug fucking face. And she's looking at him hopefully and he shuts the door in her face. Patrice, I had a rage blackout. I blacked (laughs) out momentarily. (laughs) Typing in caps lock on my keyboard super loudly. (laughs) Yeah, here's what it says, readers. It says, never mind, it's Burke. With that smug smirk on his fucking face when he shuts the door on Christina, I'm going to lose it, Patrice. (laughs) I I did. I feel like I momentarily left my body. (laughs) Just like disassociated with anger. I so feel like I've my seen a rage blackout from you, so I know that you leave your body. <laughs> you said that what? I said I feel like I've seen a rage blackout from you, so like can't confirm that you leave your body. <laughs> I get I get very still. I have a very still anger. It's because my spirit has left my corporeal <laughs> self. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my yeah, god, I was, was so angry. Anyway, that's my career. What about you? Yeah, I did give it to George. I said George could write an entire Am I the Asshole <laughs> over this episode. And it's George. George is the asshole. Yes. Truly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't really disagree. You know, they're both terrible. Um, what about Chief Resident? Uh uh, everyone was really bad. I, uh, I said similarly. I was like, everyone's pretty bent on being terrible. Um, but I would probably give it chief resident to Han because she's really competent. She's super professional. She's very courteous in the operating room. She's generous in the way that she asks for help, which is like, mm-hmm. holy fuck, what a concept. Like, a doctor asking for help from the other doctors and experts around them. Like, crazy. What a crazy idea. Uh, so I just, I really liked watching Han work this episode. She seemed so attentive to George and to George's family in the console and even just meeting George for the first time. Like, she, like, has, like, a great handshake and, like, lots of eye contact. And I was just like, wow, mm-hmm. what a, what a refreshing what a, what turn. What a doctor. <laughs> Yeah. Look at someone doctoring. Just like being a doctor. Wow. That's, wow. that's pretty neat. <laughs> so that's, I guess, who I'd give Chief President to. Yeah. Line of the week. Some good ones. I also had nothing. I didn't really think that there were any notable lines of the week for me. I I guess mine were all dramatic. Um and so I guess there were more like scenes that I really liked. Um, but the moment between Derek and Burke, there are several 
several things in the last few episodes that have made me like Derek. And mm. one is that he very much seems to be like an adult person trying to make friends. <laughs> and I really like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, Derek, I see you. Like, <laughs> do, do, do you um, identify with Derek because he moved across country to live in Seattle to make adult friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I do. Yeah, and he's not having a lot of success, much like I didn't. But, um, <laughs> I do have some wonderful Seattle friends, but it was really hard at first and it's hard to make friends as an adult. And he's trying to do that with Burke and he's upset with Burke for not telling him about the tremor, which Derek should be upset about that on many levels. Right. Um, yeah. But the level he focuses on is he says, I thought you were my friend. And Burke shoots back. I thought you were my surgeon. And it's shitty because I can see why Burke is mad at Derek and I can see why Derek's mad at Burke and I can't really see a way for them to resolve it. <laughs> um, it was just a it was I felt that moment. I was like, oof, that's tough. Um, yeah. I also really appreciated Izzy uh, drawing a very clear boundary with George and not holding a grudge, but saying to George, um, you do not get to bring Denny up to me ever again, ever again. And she's absolutely right to say that to George after George has humiliated her in front of his family um, yes. and has used Denny, again, like taken a vulnerability and used it as a weapon against the person whose vulnerability it belongs to, which is terrible. And then my last one is uh, Meredith standing up for herself when Derek's upset that uh, Meredith didn't share what she knew. Um, And she very rightly points out, I didn't know anything until today, today, which is true. Um, And she, and he just says, How could you know what you know? Or suspect that not even tell me? You cleared him for surgery, Derek. How did you not know? You can't be angry with me. She's my best friend. And right or wrong, she... She was there when you worked. She says it gently, and I think that's why I really appreciate this conversation. She's not weaponizing this, but she says very matter-of-factly, she was there when you weren't. Right. And it's not mean. It's not cruel. It's just true. And um, that was a great moment. I mean, he looked like he got stabbed twice in the heart in quick succession. (laughs) But then they had a very passionate makeout session, so I think it was good. True facts brought them closer. Yeah, I would maybe give it to that line. I kind of forgot about that scene, but mm-hmm. that was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we have any time. medical facts? I don't. I don't have anything. The medical fact is the same. I think, which is wash your hands, stay in your fucking houses, <laughs> and wash, wash your, hands. your hands. Don't leave your house. Um. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, go into your house, sanitize everything, wash your hands, and then stay inside. And then stay inside. And get into video games. Good. Get into video games. Um, I might get into video games. Yeah. Do it. Maybe I'll share my gamer tag at some point so that people will visit me Ooh. in Animal Crossing. I've never really done that before. I don't 
play games socially. I like to play games alone, but we'll see. <laughs> Check in on your people um, yes. from a distance, as in Skype them or yeah. Zoom them. Don't go to their them. houses. Don't go to their homes, but check in on your people and uh, check in on your elders who are probably check even in more on isolated than podcasters. they were before. And uh, yeah, you know, check in on this podcast and listen to it more. Download it from multiple platforms. Give it like, to your friends. <laughs> you know, what better time than now to start binge watching Grey's Anatomy? This is kind of preaching to the choir. If you're listening to this, you're already like a crazy Grey's Anatomy person. So I guess True I have facts. to make this but pitch start somewhere over else. again from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. So you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Um, please subscribe. Please download our episodes. And then rate us and leave us a nice review. Nobody's leaving reviews. You have all the time in the world to leave us reviews now. Only good ones, though. We delete bad reviews. Um, I'm just kidding. We've never gotten one because we've never gotten a review. Okay. Um, you can also listen to us on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Acast, on Podbean, our wonderful host, on iHeartRadio, on Google Play, literally wherever you listen to podcasts. You have no excuses. You can find us. You can also find us on Twitter at code underscore grays underscore. You can email us at codegrays at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at podcast. Yeah, we literally have all the time in the world to respond to those emails, answer those <laughs> Tweets. questions on IG or Twitter. Yeah, We're Code Grays is going to do an IG live sometime soon. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> so that Kelsey will ask us questions. Using different right. burner accounts, <laughs> pretending to be multiple <laughs> different fans. <laughs> um, seriously, take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>